You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the mailbag edition kicking off the week here on the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel. Answering all your questions, you guys brought it as usual, and uh, we're going to try to answer a bunch of those, and, and here to help me do it are my dear pals, per usual. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Matthew Lane, what's happening? It feels good to be appropriately acknowledged and introduced this week, Kent, so thank <laughs> you for that. I appreciate it. You're welcome. The issue is, we had a little bit of a kerfuffle going on on Twitter this weekend, so I need everybody to at Craig on Twitter, at Barley Hop, and tell him how you brush your teeth. Are you a water toothpaste brush like a normal sane human? Or are you a toothpaste, useless water, and dry bristle brusher like some others? But I need you to at, Ken, or at Craig, at Barley Hop on Twitter, and tell him how you brush your teeth. Why, why do I care about what anybody's dental hygiene? How did I get dragged into this? Nobody knows I hate it when... No! Just no! Don't do that. I don't want any part of that. Well, and Craig somehow has an alternative to <laughs> to it. Why don't you explain? Don't use water. Dentists say not to use water because it dilutes the toothpaste. One dentist has told Craig not to use water, <laughs> and now it's every dentist. Every dentist. Four out of, four out of five dentists recommend... Just to- toothpaste and no water at all before or after, like a sociopath. We found the real sociopaths, Maddie. I think we can all come to an agreement that Craig stinks and his way of brushing his teeth is terrifying. I've been trying to tell you guys lots of th- lots of times that I stink. Y'all don't believe me. I think Craig smells fantastic, first of all. So I'm going to put that out there for everybody. Two... I don't care who's right or wrong. I just want everybody to at Barley Hop on Twitter about it and tell them your story. I just like how Craig's basically like, I, I, I can only, I'm going to try it tonight. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try it tonight. And I'm going to tell you how badly it feels like I'm chewing on chalk. Are your gums ready for that? No, they aren't. Because that's not how this product was designed. That's <laughs> four out of five dentists think Craig's dentist sucks. This is Let's great. Just, this is a great football podcast, you guys. You know, it's the off season. And we still got a lot of questions to answer. Let's just do that. Five-star review questions. If you like the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel, you like the show, like what's going on here, leave a five-star review. If you ask a question when you leave a five-star review, we answer it. Austin did that, and he asks... If Colin Saunders couldn't do backflips, would fans still feel he is such a gem? Could you guys speak on fan perception versus reality on some of these bottom of the roster guys? So we'll talk about Colin Sanders a little bit because I think he's a good representation. I think, you know, there is a natural inclination for people to really love 
every single player on their roster. Jody Fortson is a potential starting wide receiver in the National Football League. Uh, Colin Saunders is living up or is still has a chance to live up to potential. You know, I think it, it, there's a natural inclination for all of us to overinflate the value of players on our roster. And I think, I mean, it's normal. I mean, it, it's normal. With Colin Saunders specifically, he got taken, he, he got his job taken by a, a undrafted free agent, interior defensive lineman, that weighs 280 pounds, and is really just primarily a pass rusher. He has not been able to really earn any opportunities on base downs as a run stopper. And his potential ability as a pass rusher has been overtaken by a guy that was undrafted. There's not reason for optimism for a guy like that. If he was living up to his potential as a top 100 pick, you would be, they would be looking for ways to play, to play him over people or get him on the field, but they're not. Mike Pinnell's still on the field. I know that's on base downs, but I'm just saying they're not really finding any ways for him to get opportunities on the field. That's just the reality. There's not a lot of reason for optimism for him moving forward. I do think that it's worth noting that with Colin Saunders, he's a very charismatic individual. I think if you speak to him, like it's hard not to fall in love with Colin Saunders. We did. Yeah. yeah we, we, uh, Colin Saunders is an awesome dude. Like we love him. We wish it's that just, he was I on mean, the field and a much better player and contributing more for this football team because he's an awesome dude. But that is he'd be a fun guy to root for. Yes, absolutely. And so, yeah, that's what that's where it comes to. Everybody wants these guys, especially these friends, roster guys, to succeed. So, yeah, I think this. Yeah, I think it, it it would be really fun if he was, but I think I think we're I think the ship sailed on him. I think, and people want to say, "Oh, just give him time." In the national, in the current National Football League, halfway through your rookie deal is a pretty strong indicator. Just this, the way the the nature of the sport these days. Swanson's Buffon. In 2017, we picked Tano Passanio three picks before Juju Smith-Schuster. In 2018, we picked uh, Breland Speaks one pick before Christian Kirk. In 2019, we made the pick before DK Metcalf in 2020. <laughs> we, uh, uh, we made the pick, or in 2020, we made the pick before T. Higgins. What monster X wide receiver is going directly after our pick in the 2021 NFL draft? <laughs> Well, the good news is, for as good as a, a wide receiver class as this 2021 draft class is going to be, you're not, you don't have a lot of outside receivers. You don't have a lot of X wide receiver options, especially early on. Like you got the Jamar Chase, probably off the, going to be off the board. Devontae Smith, probably going to be off the board. Rashad Bateman would be the one guy that I think, if he was on the board. The Chiefs, one, would probably take him because he's a perfect fit in the first round. But if they didn't, he would be a guy that I think you would look back and say, wow, the Chiefs really missed out on another one. But I'm not sure he's going to be there earlier or there either. And so once you work past him, there's not a lot of guys with X wide receiver size and skill set for day two of this draft. It's a lot of guys that play in the slot, a lot of guys with a little bit of speed. One guy that I could see happening, maybe in round three, the guy that might go at the very beginning of round four or and the comp picks at the end of day two, Josh Palmer, wide receiver out of Tennessee. He's a big-bodied receiver, dominates the catch point, and he's really good vertical threat for a guy that's a bigger-bodied receiver. He's had absolutely awful quarterback play at Tennessee his entire career there. 
when he was younger, he actually had quite a few guys that ended up playing in the NFL ahead of him on the depth chart. So he's a guy that could, I think, end up being pretty good in the NFL. And if I can't promise the Chiefs would take him because he's not a super, super highly thought of or sought after wide receiver to the national you know, public right now. So if he goes at the end of round three after the Chiefs pick, he's a guy that you know you can almost pencil in as a star, a budding star as the Chiefs take a two down defensive tackle or linebacker or something. AP Nerd Squad at gmail.com. It's a way for you to reach out to us. You can, uh, you know, if you if you don't want to leave a five star review, you don't have Twitter, whatever. This is a way for you to reach out for us. And Craig, you had someone reach out and you wanted to kind of plug something here. Yeah. Uh, we had somebody reach out. Her name is Anna Scop. Um, she says, My dearest Renaissance man, Rant Swanson, and Maddie Lane. So obviously a listener to the podcast. Thanks, <laughs> Anna. Uh, she said she sent this in and it wasn't a question for the laboratory it was addressing the fact that she has had multiple instances of leukemia and lymphoma in her family and in her extended family and addressing that during this time during the pandemic it's getting ridiculously hard to treat some of these things. It's getting ridiculously hard to find funding and support for these things. So it's actually a fundraiser with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. It's actually, it's for, you know, a man and the woman of the year situation. Um, I wanted to shout this out because it's open for 10 weeks. It's it's open right now, and I believe it's closing down in mid-May. They are trying to raise $100,000 overall. And she reached out just to see if we would give it a shout out. I'm going to read the link here, but if you can't remember this link, I'm going to post it on my Twitter and I'm going to pin it to the top for out the, you know throughout the link to all of this. It's pages.lls.org slash M-W-O-Y slash M slash Denver 21 slash a scop. They are Chiefs fans living in Denver that are season ticket holders Listen to the AP Laboratory, reached out to see if we could help. So I just wanted to give her a shout out. Thanks for listening, and we'll see if we can do some good. How about this? You send a receipt of $20 or more, you get a free draft guide. Ooh, send us a screenshot of a receipt, $20 or more, you get a free draft guide. How about that? Love it. Donate to a good cause, get some free stuff from us. So send us those screenshots of donating. Find the link on Craig's. Uh, on Craig's Twitter handle. Screenshots get you a free Casey draft guide. Okay. Uh, Sodak Joe emailed in, hey guys, fellow Chiefs fan and draft nerd here, ordered my draft guide a few days ago. Awesome. Thank you, man. Uh, as a Chiefs fan, I almost feel like I have to prepare myself for at least one head-scratching pick in the first two rounds. That is correct. It's a really good good take there. Let's prepare ourselves for the reality that this uh, that that is the NFL draft, shall we? We select one of the following players in the first round. Which are you most disappointed by, and which are you most in agreement with? He threw out Zaven Collins, the linebacker out of Tulsa. Joe Tryon, the edge out of Washington. Creed Humphrey, the interior offensive lineman out of Oklahoma. Trevon Morig, the safety out of TCU, and Pat Frymuth, the tight end out of Penn State. He adds that he left Boogie Basham out for me. <laughs> Thank you. All right, so the one you're most disappointed in and the one you are most in agreement with, Maddie. 
I think I'm most disappointed with Creed Humphrey, the center out of Oklahoma in round one. It's not that he's a bad player. I just think he's a very ho-hum, even for an interior offensive lineman prospect. He's very smart. He's been calling protections at Oklahoma for multiple different NFL quarterbacks now. So he's a quality player. It's not even that he would be bad. I just don't know if you're getting a player worth 32 picks better than the next center that you could get in the second round. Heck, maybe not even 64 picks better than a center you could get at the end of day two, just because, like I said, there's nothing special. I don't think there's anything Creed Humphrey can hang his hat on to say it will work in the NFL. The guy that I'd be most in agreement with would be the edge defender out of Washington, Joe Tryon. You don't get good edge rushers after round one. If you're taking him in round one, you have to believe in the athletic profile. That's the rules. I don't make them. That's just the rules. So if that's the case, you believe in the athletic profile that Joe Tryon puts out at whatever pro day he goes through. I do want to say, I would love Trevin Morick, though. That'd be fun. I'm not the most agreement with it, but it would be fun. Okay. So thanks, Maddie. Uh, <laughs> because yes i agree I, I it's creed humphrey we we watch creed humphrey get walked back into the quarterback's lap time and time and time and time again in mobile with every single bad defensive tackle that was out there and some guys that were edges that were playing defensive tackle because they didn't have enough de- defensive tackles creed humphrey really struggled so I do think that he's a guy that I I don't hate him by any means, but that's real early for a guy like that. My guy that I'd love is Trevor Moerig. Trevor Moerig is a good man cover and a super athlete, a ball hawk, and he's long. And frankly, I don't need anything else. I've condoned that this team could take safety now for the past two years. Last year's draft, I was fine with them taking a safety because it meant that it shored up the middle of the field. It made this team better on defense in the middle of the field and forced the ball to lower percentage throws outside of the hashes. Trevon Morig still does that, and he is the best safety in this class. He gives Steve Spagnuolo another tool in the secondary. We know what he does with them, so I think that he would be an elite defender for this team and makes them real strong up the middle of the field. Uh, and I want to add, like I think I I have more hope for a Creed Humphrey as a prospect after being kind of out on him a little bit after watching him do some stuff at at the Mobile. He really did look like he struggled. Um, so, I mean, I do think I'm with these guys and I'm in agreement with these guys that I, you know, I do think my guy here is, is um, Creed Humphrey that I'm out on. I'm probably, I think with, I think I'm with Maddie on Joe Tryon. He's a guy I got a chance to watch here a little bit this week. And I actually like his athletic profile. I believe in it a little bit. Um, I don't know if I'm, I don't, I'm, I definitely not where other people are right now with the, with the round one, um, you know, with the round one love entirely to this point like I don't, I don't think he's a slam duck first round prospect um i think we have you know in the top 40 ish right now though uh i don't think he's the highest graded guy that we have of these of these players in this list either but to maddie's point filling a position in need a good quality athletic profile a guy that was lining as like a four eye a lot of times for um, washington was able to execute twists and stunts still actually able to, to soften the corner enough to turn it even aligning inside the tackle. Like there was some impressive things that he put out on tape. So he's a guy that, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be fine with, uh, yeah. So let's jump to the Twitter questions now. D silky 10. 
you may have answered this question before, but how did you guys all become friends? And what made you all decide to start a podcast? What what indicated that we're friends? <laughs> no. Um, it's cold. It's just cold in between. It's just cold, it's just in, cold between. in between the it's recording. It's dead silence, really. I, I count us down to start. There's no jokes. There's no talk beforehand. No. We are professionals. Yes. Um, purely business. <laughs> true, uh, strictly. Um we we all started kind of I, I think Kent was probably the one that that brought us together with the AP draft show initially. Um I had written for Arrowhead Pride for since uh, 2009. So it's been a long time and Maddie was in the fan posts a lot and it had a lot of comments and brought good football conversation. Kent hated like every other draft take i had absolutely and <laughs> how's doris armstrong doing <laughs> it's still the case um <laughs> so when kent and jake <laughs> were doing the ap draft show i believe in 2018 uh, brett veach's first draft there um he actually had you know conversations with me conversations with maddie and it was kind of going around there for a little while um I started working for Arrowhead Pride again shortly after that draft, and so did Matt, and so we just started talking every day, a lot, and, and <laughs> literally every day, literally every day, and the result is now kind of what you're seeing. We converse a lot. We're buddies. We hang out a lot. We we know each other probably far too well at this point. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I have a whole, whole lot to add to this. I mean, I think a lot of people might remember me from just being all over your fan posts or the comments on Arrowhead Pride's website, talking to a lot of people there. Kent came around and brought like new fun draft content to Arrowhead Pride. So I started talking to him a little bit. I didn't even have a Twitter. Well, I had a Twitter at this time. I think I had to make one for like uh, a college class or something, but I never, ever used it for anything. And so I didn't have a Twitter, but I started talking to Kent a little bit. And at one point in time, I think I tend to branch out and like somebody's like, hey, do you want to come write for my website? We can't pay you, but you can write about the Chiefs over here. And I think I told Kent about it and he maybe even like told me to reach out to Pete and Joel at Arrowhead Pride and started talking to them. Essentially, we ended up getting on with Arrowhead Pride, introduced to Craig. We started talking a bunch. They're like, hey, do you guys want to do a podcast? It could be something that's kind of fun. And so like the first 25 episodes were pretty business-like. You know, we still like each other and talk, but we were all very nervous trying to feel each other out. Well, and I think like uh, we had segments too, because like we were worried about the technology. So it was never us three talking. (laughs) It was like me and Matt. Me and Craig. Sorry, continue back. No, no, you're good. And yeah, it just kind of became a process. But like, you know, obviously the more time that you talk and spend to somebody, you realize, you know, if you if you like them and want to be friends or if you were like us and you just get together when business calls. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, very obviously, if you've ever listened to this show, especially in the recent years, there's just no there's just no warmth. Just at all. You, you guys don't realize how awkward Mobile is. We don't talk to each other unless we're on the podcast. 
Yeah, like we're silence. all sharing rooms. Yeah. And so like it's, you know, I'm I'm lucky enough to like have a prior relationship with Jake, but like Craig and Matt, like having to share a room is just extremely awkward. I've like, spoken to Jake for maybe 30 minutes of my entire life. <laughs> and Kit keeps booking us one bet. It's really awkward. <laughs> it was on sale. <laughs> um, the only thing I'll add is like I asked, I just remember early on with Maddie like coming in and just telling me how bad my draft takes were. I was like, hey, dude, you're really smart. You have a Twitter account? And he's like, nah. <laughs> eventually, eventually, like, eventually, like, he did get it. That's when it just turned into, like, we would just, like, DM all, all, all the time during draft season. And then I was DMing with Craig all the time during draft season and Bearcat all the time during draft season and Country all the time during draft season. And all four of those guys wound up on the draft show for the first picks or the for the picks of every player or whatever that we had the last draft show we did. Boy, that draft was fun. We all bonded over a terrible draft. <laughs> that just that just ch checks out. That really checks out. But yeah, that's how that's I think you guys did a good job explaining the whole story. All right, primetime pairing. Hi guys, my son is 9. Wants to know what free agent receiver would be best fit in the Chiefs offense or what draftee would fit best in what round would you take them all the way from Keswick, Canada? Keep up the great work. Can't wait for the draft guide. Hey, real quick, Maddie, before you get in on this, anytime he wants to ask a question, he gets a fast pass to the front of the line, just so you know. So anytime he has a question, just he front of the line. That Any kid, honestly, like we've had a few kids, we've told open invite. You get you get fast pass to the front of the line on 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 mailbag questions. Just so you know. All right, go Matt. So I'm gonna take Brett Veach at face value when he said they aren't gonna sprint out there to to sign a wide receiver early on in free agency. So I'm not gonna give you the Allen Robinsons or the Juju Smith Schusters, these high price free agents. But I do think a guy I've mentioned him a lot, like Josh Reynolds, playing for the Rams. I do think he's a guy that has X wide receiver, especially for Andy Reid type size. He's a guy that can get vertical a little bit, but he makes most of his work is on the intermediate, the short stuff. Wasn't heavily utilized with the Rams just because that offense centers around play action, hitting some of the guys out of the slot or tight ends leaking over the middle of the field. I think he's a guy that could still be ascending that you could have at a reasonable price. Another guy that fits into that same mold is Kendrick Bourne out of the San Francisco 49ers. And then in the draft, I think I mentioned him earlier, but Rashad Bateman in round one would be the perfect guy to come in and play receiver for the Chiefs. He's got the size. He's a good route runner. He can win on all three levels. Just the issue is you would have to spend a round one pick and get a little lucky that he fell all the way to 31. Uh, I believe Rashad Bateman is currently sitting for us personally right now at pick. Oh, wait, no, he's, he's bumped up. He was picked number 31 exactly. He was the 31st ranked player <clears throat> on our board. He has jumped to pick or to player number 30 on our board now. Jackie Jared, 428. What position is Brett Veach going after first in free agency? I like this. Oh, um, I, I agree with Maddie. I don't think that they're going to go all in on wide receiver. I, I think that that pretty much leaves defensive end and offensive line in my book. Um, there's a lot of offensive linemen that are out there right now. I, I think that. NFL teams have told you exactly what they think of their high-priced offensive line contracts right now because 
everybody is shedding them as quickly as possible. This draft is great at those positions. Teams are tired of paying these guys that much money. So I think that that market's actually going to be a little bit quiet. Like, I don't think it's going to be heavy out there. So I think it's going to be defensive end that Brett Veach goes after first. And I think that you see the offensive line kind of wait until some of the bigger guys come off the board and then the dominoes will start to fall. I really want, uh, I really want like Allen Robinson to be a thing, but I'm, <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry. I'm on, I'm 100% agreement with you on defensive end. I, if I were betting right now, that's the position I think uh, I would, I would, I would anticipate seeing. D Johnson, 29 in this year's draft. Would you rather go all in on high floor players or all high ceiling players? Uh, okay. So Brett Veach's problem in a lot of ways is he hasn't hit very many singles. I really kind of just want a bunch of high floor guys this year because yes, I would love him to identify more blue chip players. He finally got his first one, three drafts in with luxurious Sneed. But if they just hit on high floor play, if they just had high floor drafts for the, for the last few years, imagine the roster construction, how this team would look from a depth perspective, from a quality of perspective, you have the ultimate blue chip. If there's anything bigger than blue chip or the definition of blue chip, you have it in Patrick Mahomes. Like obviously they gotta continue to stack, you know, top tier talent, but man, just just get some guys on the board that are gonna contribute at a quality level. Liam Eikenberg. What'd you say? Liam Eikenberg. Liam Eikenberg is like I the I ultimate keep coming back single. to Liam Eikenberg, and I'm not disappointed if the Chiefs take them at all. I'm fine. I'm content because I think he's a guy that's gonna be able to play at a NFL quality level for a long time. Maddie will hate it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. D. Johnston29 uh, also asks, knowing the Chiefs' dime defense was the weakest group on defense last year and that Brett Veach mentioned linebacker or linebacker depth, what are the chances the Chiefs draft a dime linebacker? And are there any current favorites? I The Chiefs do have to go out and try to find a way to replace Ben Neiman, whether that's somebody they already have on the roster, which I doubt seeming they didn't do it in the middle of last year, or they're going to have to bring in somebody new. I don't love the concept of spending quality assets, whether that's cash or a draft pick on a just a dime linebacker. I think if you're going to spend something worthwhile, like if you're going to pay out 
five million or more dollars to a linebacker in free agency. If you're going to draft a linebacker top 100, he needs to be as close to a three down player as possible, which isn't what a dime linebacker would be. So if we're just looking to replace the dime linebacker, I'm looking on day three, and I'd probably take a bigger safety rather than just a linebacker. Athletic linebackers are hard to find on day three because guys draft them up. So give me a Jermaine Sherwood, safety out of Auburn, played at 223 pounds last year, very smart player. He called their entire defense from the far corner, the linebacker group, and the defensive line. He was constantly in communication with everybody else. I think he needs to play a little bit more physical, play up to that 225 pounds. But as far as a coverage player on the underneath intermediate zones, I think he's got a high IQ. He could slide into that role pretty well. Captain Denny, this question is for Craig. With Anthony Sherman retiring, who is the leader of the special teams unit now? Very important question. Well, it was going to be Harrison Butker, but he missed. Um, no, just kidding. <laughs> oh, no. Just kidding, Craig. everybody. I'm just trying to stir everybody up. He came in from the wrong hash. Oh, um, Harrison Butker is a definite candidate to lead that room, but it's typically guys that are like four core guys that are playing in every single facet. That's going to be like an Armani Watts, Rashad Fenton, uh, Dorian O'Daniel, if he's still around, like in those three guys are probably going to be your, your pivotal special teams players, guys that are on the fringe of being able to play snaps for this defense. But Dave Tobe really likes those guys. And he, consistently says that those guys are some of his top performers we've seen them be captains a couple of times you know as the special teams captain so i think if if you pick from that three i think you're pretty safe can i give you a dark horse yeah byron pringle byron pringle might be one of those guys but is he playing gunner is he playing vice I don't know. You are you are the you are the draft expert. Uh, next the, year, the next special year, teams expert. Yeah, he played less than fifty percent of the special team snaps last year. There you go. Now, hold on. Anthony Sherman only played fifty eight percent. So I so don't there know. There you go, Craig. That's just going to throw court. that out there. But you were right. Armani Watts is the guy that plays the most special team snaps. Like that would be a good place to start. And let me just make sure to provide this in no uncertain terms. Armani Watts and Dorian O'Daniel being good on special teams does not mean that they drafted well uh, in 2018. Just please know that. that that doesn't Special teams doesn't matter. It's not hey. a hidden third. No, it's not a hidden third. It's like a, it's like a sixth. Maybe it ain't. You know what? If we were talking, if we were talking after this podcast, I would have words for you. But since it's all business, I, I just have to swallow that. And... Why don't you just let it out now? No. Chandler W78. Who will be the third most targeted player on the team this year, uh, Maddie? Well, this past year, it was McCole Hardman with 62 targets. That came with him with him starting half of the games, playing all 16 games, and Sammy Watkins missing six-plus games during that stretch. So he's a guy that's going to be in contention. I think Clyde edwards Lair, though, I think that's your right answer. He was only eight targets behind McCole Hardman despite missing three games and being a rookie, he takes the targets of any other running back on this team, he would be third in targets last year. If he played in those three games and continued his averages or even had you know zero targets and had the same average for the other two, 
he would have been third. So I think as long as he's healthy, I would assume Clyde Edwards-Elair takes that role, especially because I don't think the Chiefs are going to go out and sign a top-tier number two wide receiver. I think they'll improve that position. I just don't think it'll be a top-tier guy that's going to demand 100 targets. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Corey04 asks, last season the tagline mantra for the Chiefs was run it back. What should it be this season? I wholeheartedly believe that it should be take it back. Hashtag take it back. I love that. Funnily enough, that's the promo code we used for the draft guide when we released in February. Like, I'm all in on take it back. I think that makes the most sense. Uh, and now I can just shamelessly plug that if you go to gum.co slash KC draft guide 21, you can get the KC draft guide for $8.99 with promo code take it back. So there you go. No, I'm 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 100 percent in with Corey on this one. I think that I think that's a great way. Something something like reclaiming or something to that effect. I think I I think would play perfect. But take it back seems like the most simple way to do it. Leighton Y forty four. Theoretically, if the Chiefs had a top ten put pick, would you rather them draft in that spot or trade back for more assets? Draft in that well, it depends. It depends on the draft class. As long as there are ten worthy top ten kind of players, as long as you have ten guys that are getting you know, what you were considering a grade worthy of that spot. I think you take one there. If you are drafting a guy at the right value, always take him there. Don't trade back. But I love blue chip talent. I would not trade back just to have more swings at the bat when I have one teed up for a home run. Maddie, I want you to do this draft specifically. Let's talk this draft specifically. Because most likely your Maddie answer brain Probably didn't take it that he probably meant this draft. I'm just guessing. I would have to see how the board played out, Kent. I would. Quiddy, Quiddy pays. Quiddy pays on the board. I if my option was Quiddy pay or trading back, I would probably trade back in this draft because I don't know if Quiddy pay is top ten pick worthy when you have other edge options that I think are very close to him in this draft. So I would collect an extra day two, no later pick to move back and see if I could still get pay or take a Jalen Phillips or somebody comparable. I'm staying in the top 10 and drafting Micah Parsons. End of story. Thanks. Lame. That wasn't the question, but yes, that's the move. <laughs> I'm trading back. I Especially in this draft class, we already know, you guys already know I'm trading back. I think especially in this draft, like we don't have a ton of first round grades in this class. Wait, Craig, you want to count it? You want to throw something at me here? Is Rashawn Slater there? Yes. I'm definitely staying put then. And then I'm flipping a coin. He's taking Rashawn Slater. I mean, Rash well, okay. No, let's say Rashawn Slater's not because he's one of our, yeah, he, we have him currently sitting at eighth on our board. See, I'm, I'm taking, I'm staying there and taking a guy either way. It's just whether or not I'm taking Micah Parsons or Rashawn Slater is the, See, the debate okay, for me. If Rashawn Slater's on the board, I probably stay. Uh, Quiddy pay. I'm with Maddie. But man, I just think there's just a really strong like second round grade type class here, and I think it starts like right around ten, which is why I love this question. And like you go, if you trade out, if you trade back, especially like if what if it's someone going to get a quarterback? If you trade from like six, you know, trade from like sixteen, you're getting a second round pick probably. If you trade back to like sixteen, seventeen, you're getting a second round pick to trade back. And I think there's a lot of good players back there, and I don't know if. Like and, and Jalen Phillips, for instance, like I'm 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 wait I'm I we have a really high grade on Jalen Phillips because of the talent's there, but there's so many things to be terrified about. I don't think I'm I I think I'm moving back and just playing in that really strong class because like you're probably winding up with Elijah Vera Tucker or Jalen Mayfield 
or Tevin Jenkins still at 16 and you're getting a second round pick. Tell me how that's a bad idea. It's not Micah Parsons. That's why. Well, there's more questions about Micah Parsons. Too, I understand. Yeah, he might very well be there in 16 as well. As there, he might be there yet. 28. 31, yeah. Not a Chiefs fan asks, which potential Chiefs free agent would you be saddest to see go, and which one would you be the saddest to see stay? The one that I'm going to be the saddest to see go, I think, would be Bashad Breland. I think Bashad Breland has his ups and his downs. There's good games and there's bad games, but you deal with them as a Chiefs fan because for the most part, he's been your most consistent and best corner since he's been here. He's been the guy on the outside that has provided kind of the most takeaways. He's just been the best of the outside corners. I don't know if he's worth keeping around necessarily because you are trying to get younger. You still need improvement. He's kind of a stopgap, but it will be sad to see him go. I think he's been useful. The guy that I really don't want back, I think Ben Neiman's the obvious choice, but the next one, Dan Sorensen. And I know that's going to upset some fans. Daniel Sorensen's not a bad football player. He's exactly what he is. But I, I just like with Breland, I think that is one of the biggest stopgaps on the team that you are stopping somebody that could be a very valuable, highly productive player and playing Daniel Sorensen in that role because you trust him. It's way too safe. Get somebody better in his spot, please. I, I mean, th- those are probably the two obvious ones for me as well. I like Damian Wilson, uh, you know, as a locker room figure quite a bit. Like, I'll miss him being gone. Like, those guys clearly respect him. They all really love him. I think that that's going to be just a tough one to see go. So, I mean, Damian Wilson's my guy that I'll be sad to see go because, uh, you know, he was what he was. But he he gave his all. He, he was a good player for what he was. And then, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't like dunking on Ben Neiman. Everybody seems to do, do that plenty, but. I am I, starting to feel bad. He's like turning into Jerry from Parks and Rec. Yeah, a little bit. And I just, it is going to be good to see him go to see somebody else get those reps because he was a clear weak link. We all knew he was a clear weak link. You know, when we got you know, 42 questions every single week when the Chiefs was winning, we're winning that we're saying, hey, how bad has been Neiman? Yeah, he's, he wasn't good. But, you know, I won't be sad to see him go just to see somebody new in that spot. I'm surprised Maddie didn't go with Taco Charlton as the guy he'd be most sad to see go, but it could be con- some concerns out of energy, out of injury. I'm going to go, weirdly enough, I'm going to go with Mike Remmers. And it's mostly just about, I think he's a guy that showed a capability of lining up in a variety of spots along this offensive line. In a year where the Chiefs suffered ultimate attrition, he was a constant. And he was capable of, of providing, I would, I don't want to say, it's serviceable. Just say serviceable uh, you know, play along this offensive line. And so that was you know, that baseline of just serviceable was extremely valuable this year for this football team. So I would be a little bit, um, I'd be a little bit sad. The guy I'm not sad to see leave is Austin Ryder. I I think that's a place that the Chiefs can can definitely get better this offseason. I think they could get better with a third round pick. I think they could get better very easily in free agency. I'm kind of over that spot. I want to see an injection of talent somewhere along the interior. Austin Ryder seems like an easy place to to maybe move on and, and replace with uh, with some some intriguing talent, uh, free agency or a draft. Ball game twenty one thirty two. The Packers and Ravens are two teams picking later, who also 
could use a round one offensive tackle or wide receiver. Who are some prospects that you guys deem worthy of jumping them if still on the board before the Ravens are on the clock? Also, what would it take to move up to 26? So guys, I want you all to give me one each. Okay, so just try to come up with one. And I'll just answer the question. To get up to 26 for the Chiefs, it's probably going to cost roughly their third round pick. So it'll a first and a third gets them ahead of 26 probably. All right, Maddie, one player that you would trade up for. So I was going to go with the tackle until you told me it would take my third round pick as well. I don't know if moving up in this tackle class and spending my third round pick is worth it to get one. So the only guy I think that I would move up for that's a wide receiver or a tackle would be Rashad Bateman, wide receiver out of Minnesota. Talked about him a couple times, but I really do think there's a big drop off after him from a pure day one and high ceiling X wide receiver. So I would, if that was what something you felt you needed, I would go take him before the Packers or before the Ravens could. Okay. Before you all tar and feather me, hear my explanation here. I'd trade up for Devonta Smith. Devonta Smith is going to weigh way less than GMs like He's not going to be a blazing fast guy, and guys like that just don't typically go high in the draft. Guys like him also don't typically have the kind of production, kind of route running, you know, all of the intangibles and everything like that that are not measurable from an athletic testing standpoint. But GMs are old and stuck in their ways, and they have very specific opinions about height, weight, size, thresholds speed thresholds that guys have to hit for them to realistically consider him i don't genuinely think that devonta smith is going to fall this far but i'm also not going to be shocked if he hits the 20 mark just because gms are weird that way sometimes so if he's there at 26 chiefs better be pulling that trigger so i this this is I'm I'm having some explaining to do for this one. I think I know where Maddie's going to go with this immediately when I say this. I think I might tra- I I think about trading up for Jalen Mayfield. Uh and I and I know I just got done saying, you know, let's let's hit on some let's hit some singles here, Brett Veach. Let's go and hit some singles. But if I'm personally looking at it, I think this I think the swing on the talent, uh, a potentially elite talent along the tackle position. I mean, I don't know if that's where I'm most confident. I don't think I'm confident that he's going to be a, you know, top five tackle, but I think there's a chance that he could be. I think there is a relatively realistic chance that he could be, and I think he will be a quality starter for a long time. I think he's a high ceiling young player that has shown developmental growth along the, um, you know, kind of arc of his career. And I think there, I think he checks a lot of boxes, and I think there's it's going to be hard to get a talent like him in the back end of the first round, I you know I think at times I've been hopeful that maybe he'll fall, but man, I think you if you're gonna go grab a guy like Jalen Mayfield, you're gonna have to jump up to go acquire him, and I think I'd think about it. I think I might do it. I really do. Uh, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of falling for him the farther along we get into this process. Maddie, if you need to jump in and get your takes off, please by all means. No, I like Jalen Mayfield. I think he was in the consideration, but then I started thinking about it. I have about three offensive tackles I'd consider trading up for. If that's three guys that I'd consider trading up for, how many of them are going to go in the five picks before the Chiefs would be off the draft? 
I don't know if Mayfield's so much better than a Tevin Jenkins, than a Liam Eikenberg, a Sam Cosme. Like, I don't know if he's so much better than them to be worth sacrificing a third-round pick to get him over them. So that's why I transitioned to wide receiver. I do think there's a big gap after Bateman to your next ex-wide receiver. I'm not sure the same thing is there for a tackle. I don't think I would trade up to 26, though. I, I mean, unless there's a random Micah Parsons falling to 26 because of quote-unquote off-field issues, I don't know if I would trade up to that point. I would either trade up farther to secure a guy that definitely won't be there and is in a different tier or not trade up at all. I just wonder if like Tev, like Tevin Jacobs is another guy I would think about. I think in this situation that we're kind of like discussing here, it's probably something where the tackle run has started and it's happened. And it might be that it might be that like a Jalen Mayfield is the last guy in that tier. You know, Elijah Vera Tucker is off the board. Like what if Elijah Vera Tucker, Darisaw, Christian Darisaw, and Tevin Jenkins are off the board and it's stay and draft Eichenberg or trade up for Jalen Mayfield? Like, I think that would be the scenario you'd have to think about. And I know you, I'm, I'm guessing, like, Maddie, would you do, what, what would you do? Would you, t- would you stick for Liam, Liam? Yeah, because it's Liam Eichenberg and Josh Palmer versus just Jalen sure. Mayfield. Like I would stay and keep my third round pick. Now, if you could change it to where I'm moving up farther and securing a slightly better tackle, like uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, I think. Like if I was going up to get him at 22 instead, I think it might be just the, the bigger trade-off. Yeah. I mean, Elijah Vera Tucker is one of the other guys I was thinking about, too. Right now, our current grade on Jalen Mayfield is higher than Elijah Vera Tucker's. So I looked at the number 17 player on our board, Jalen Mayfield, currently. And I was like, that's probably about... I'm, I'm if, if I'm assessing everything. Joseph Bowen, four. Two edge prospects and a linebacker. Jordan Smith out of UAB, the edge. Patrick Jones, the edge out of Pittsburgh. Or Tony Fields out of West Virginia. Who fits better for the Chiefs, Matthew? Schematically, Tony Fields makes some sense because he's a smaller, undersized kind of coverage linebacker. You could draft him. You could plug him into Ben Neiman's dime linebacker role. He could play some weak side linebacker if Willie Gay's still not ready for it. So in theory, from a scheme perspective, he makes sense. I think he's just too small for Steve Spagnuolo. Been coming in at 222 pounds with relatively short arms. He's not a guy that I just will see Steve Spagnuolo falling for. If that's the case, just draft a safety instead. Like you're getting a safety-sized player. Out of the two edge rushers, I like Jordan Smith a little bit better, and I think he's closer to Steve Spagnuolo's preferred prototype. Six foot six. 255 pounds, and then has over, you know, 33 and a half inch arms. He hits two out of three of the thresholds, and we're talking about adding five pounds on a 6'6 frame from a guy that played college at, at, you went to college at UAB. I think that's very easily done to hit all of the thresholds that C. Spagnola likes. Patrick Jones has relatively short arms. For a 6'4", 265-pound rusher, he's only got 32-inch arms. That would be tied with Mike Dana for the shortest arms to play significant snaps for Steve Spagnuolo ever. So I just think that makes him a less likely fit than Jordan Smith. All right, Derek Vreeland, who is the luxurious Sneed in this draft class, who has been playing out of position and may fall to day three for the Chiefs to take? Oh, Sean Wade? Oh, um, a guy that I want to take. Um <laughs> Let's see here. (laughs) There's actually quite a few guys that kind of have that inside-outside versatility that rotate deep to safety. Uh, Rashad Wild Goose is one of them. Bryce Thompson is one of them. But the guy I want to talk about is Lorenzo Burns out of Arizona. 
He's 5'11", 175. He's kind of a spindly, smaller frame guy, but you wouldn't be able to tell it by the way he plays the game. He is very physical. He is a very good tackler, and he's got very fluid hips. He's really good, you know, breaking inside, breaking outside, the kind of things that you would be tasked with doing as a man cover corner from the slot, and he inserts versus the run all the time for Arizona. He's a really scrappy guy, and he's got great ball production. He had eight interceptions and 26 PBUs in three years of playing. His dad's a former baseball player. He's associated with a lot of guys that have been around the pro game, and so he readies himself a lot differently. Coaches praise his work ethic and the way he approaches things. Like He's not going to come into the league and be shocked by everything that's going on. I think his work ethic's good. I think that he's going to fall just because he's a smaller guy and he doesn't have great speed. So he's going to fall to day three, but a guy that I really, really liked watching him. I was stunned to hear the word spindly used on this draft or on this podcast. But if anybody knows spindly, it's Craig Stout. That's going to do it for the AP Laboratory Mailbag. Thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to check out everything going on on the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel. We'll be back with the draft show on Wednesday. Thank you guys so much. We'll catch you later. to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters it's not a miracle it's hubspot visit hubspot.com to get started today